listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about unlikable characters. Does it matter if they're unlikable? We're going to find out. We'll solve it once and for all today. Um, and we're also interviewing Reading Glasses' favorite, Mike Chen, about his new book, which we both love. Yes, but first, what are you reading, Bria? I just started a book um, that uh, came out on, from Orbit in 2019 called The Girl Who Can Move Shit With Her Mind by Jackson Ford. Now, yes. am I reading this book because it has a cool title? Yes. That is the reason I picked <laughs> this book up. Um, uh, it just felt like it would be something I would like with this cool title. Um, it's about... Uh, a girl named Tegan Frost who can, wait for it, move shit with her mind. Um, and she works for sort of a, like, government or something. I don't even know if it's a government agency. I just started this book. Basically, she works for um, an agency that that sends her on, like, secret missions. And she has to deal with being this, like, secret telekinetic person and also have a real life with, like, very few friends, but she does have a couple. Um, and that's where we're at right now. And I think this is going to be sort of a capery mystery is what I hmm. have heard. I think some glassers have read it. But yeah, uh, Orbit put it out. So that means it probably pretty good. Excited <laughs> to read it. Reading an or- Orbit book is a very safe bet. Yeah. Apparently, Jackson Ford is the pseudonym of the person. I don't know who actually wrote it, which is interesting. Hmm. What are you reading, Mallory? Oh, Bria, I am reading my number one most anticipated book of the entire year. And it is delivering, it is the highly, highly, highly anticipated new Paul Tremblay book. Oh, yeah. The Paul Bearers Club, Reading Glass's favorite Paul Tremblay. Oh, my God. I was so excited to get this arc. Uh, Yes, this is an arc. Um, Sorry to disappoint you. It's out July 5th, but I do highly recommend pre-ordering because um, Paul said that the first run of this book, um, for for the people who pre-order it, it's going to be printed in red ink Whoa. instead of black ink, which is going to be really, really Love cool. That. Uh, it, this book is so much fun. It takes place in the late 1980s in New England, which I'm obviously excited mm-hmm. about. Um, and the main character is this teenage boy. He's really dweeby. He just like doesn't have any friends. He just feel like has really low self-esteem. Um, and this whole book is written as if it's his memoir. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, he's getting close to the end of high school and he realizes that he doesn't have any extracurricular activities. He really wants to get into a good college. So he creates something called the pallbearers club, which is where him and whoever else go to the local funeral home every week and, um, be pallbearers for like anyone who's unhoused or like people who don't have anyone to, to, um, to mourn for them. And they like help carry the casket down. Um, and very soon, as soon as the club starts, this very mysterious girl joins, and she's kind of creepy. She's kind of weird. She likes taking pictures of the corpses, but Art is obviously very, he's, he doesn't have a crush on her, but he's very infatuated with her because she is very confident, and she's really cool. She's into punk music. She's just like the cool, Love cool older chick, and he's so fascinated with her, and only problem is she just continues to get weirder and weirder. She starts to get an obsession with digging up graves 
And the cool thing about it is, so it's written as if it's his memoir, but it's annotated by her as if she found the memoir and is like commenting on his memories in like the Ah. way that he remembered things. It is so cleverly written and it is so, it's just one of those, like I inhaled like the first half of it last night because it's so compelling. You immediately, like as soon as you start reading, you're like, I need to know what's going on with this lady. Like what, why is she so weird? What is going on? Is this like, what's happening it's just so fucking good it's i already know it's going to be one of my favorite books of the year um so that's out july 5th you can pre-order it now it's the paul bearers club by paul tremblay and mine is the girl who can move shit with her mind by jackson ford So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Uh, Caitlin writes in, I just finished listening to your episode on reading rituals and I wanted to write in and share what I do when I finish reading. Most of the time I will mark it off on Goodreads and review it slash read other reviews. I also do a little doodle of the book once I've finished it and put it in a journal with all the other books I've read and their doodles. The doodles can be anywhere from scenes in the book to how something made me feel slash think about it. I find these doodles help me ruminate on the books and some of the scenes that stuck out to me, even if some of the scenes weren't pivotal to the plot. I do this for movies as well. I'm a Bria when it comes to spoilers. I find that they help me enjoy a book more as knowing what's going to happen lets me see how something is going to Mm -hmm, happen. mm -hmm. It sucks sometimes when I try to look up spoilers for a relatively obscure book and I can't find anything helpful. (laughs) Wow. The spoiler club. That's so cool. (laughs) That's so interesting. Kunor wrote in and said, uh, I listened to episode 222 and wanted to share the reading habit I just started and I'm hoping to make stick. Reading books my partner has read and recommends to me. <laughs> That's actually really nice. I always found myself saying, yeah, yeah, maybe I'll check it out. But I have decided to make a list of li- on my library account titled Alan's Recommendations and read one periodically. The first one was Mongrels by Stephen Graham Jones and I loved it. My partner knew that I would be deeply invested in the tight-knit outcast family the story follows and be mesmerized by the build-out of what it means to be physically and mentally uh, a werewolf. I would never have read this book without the recommendation because I tend to skip the horror book section, but I'm so glad to be introduced to the genre. It's so special to be able to talk to my partner about the book we both love and share insights and ideas about the story. I recommend this habit to bookish couples. Just make sure you're ready to be honest. If you don't like the vibe, don't vibe with the book, they suggest. You don't want to start suffering through this stuff just to please them. I love that. That is uh, very, very cute. And, um, and... Uh, Their wheelhouse is Tudor-era England, feminist memoir comics, and covers that feature a DNA double helix. This is such an interesting wheelhouse. Although I can see why that is, because it it gets you into, like, the science-y whatever kind of books. Yeah, this is a really good idea. If you feel like your partner's constantly like, you should read this, and you're like, "Mm mm-hmm. This is a good way to actually make yourself do that. I love these bookish couple I know, we activities got, we that gotta we keep do getting. So We're going to do an episode on this with all of y'all's ideas. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month. You can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And a quick bookmark for me. I announced it online. I put it in our Slack. I'm really excited to finally announce uh, my third book is coming out is my first middle grade book. My first illustrated book. So yes, there's no swearing in it. I wrote an entire book without swearing. Um, It's called Girls Make Movies. I'm writing it and my friend Jen Vaughn is illustrating it. Um, So it is going to be, it's, I think maybe the world's first choose your own adventure styled nonfiction book. How cool. 
which I'm really excited about. It's going to teach young girls how to make movies, how to make their own movies, some feminist film history. Basically, it's it's a middle grade book following um, the creation of a fictional movie called Sasha vs. Zombies about a teenage YouTube makeup artist and she has to dress and like make up all her her and her friends as zombies to escape a horde that is attacking their small town um, but through the making of the movie you get to make choices and that's how you flip through and um, you know if you want your zombies to be CGI you flip to one page if you want them to, to be practical you flip to another page and by the end of the book you've made the movie and made all your choices and you've also met all kinds of people uh, all, all the different crew members on the film and all learned about all the things that they do and how, how they got into their profession and what they love about it. And it's really, really fun. I'm really excited. The thing, one of the things that people say most to me about lady from the black lagoon is that they love that book, but they wish they had something to give to a, a, uh, a kid. Yeah, uh-huh. Lady from the black lagoon is not a kid friendly book. It is an adult book. Um, so I'm really, really happy that I'm finally going to have something to give to young girls and even teens to teach them about movies and how to make movies. And again, it's illustrated by Jen Vaughn. The illustrations are going to be amazing. Uh, I'm really excited about it. It's not up for pre-order yet. I will be telling people when it is, but I'm so happy to finally talk about it. Bria is quoted in the book. Bria was the very first person I ever interviewed for the book. Wow. Um, exciting. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty, pretty cool. Uh, so before we talk about unlikable characters in books, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Green Chef. Green Chef is America's number one meal kit for eating well, with dinners that work for you, not the other way around. Y'all, I just got my Green Chef in the mail, and it's so cute. It comes in these perfect little individual bags with individual meals. Well, they're not individual. The meals serve multiple people, but each meal is in its own little bag so you know where all of the ingredients are. And it has this really great ingredient uh, recipe sheet so you know exactly what you're making. Everything is organic. You have premium proteins. You can feel great about what you're eating and how it got to your table, which is really important to me. So y'all know about Green Chef. Everything is pre-made, pre-measured, but it's all curated by a chef. So it's easy to make, easy to follow, but tastes really, really good. I hate coming home at night and not knowing what I'm going to make, trying to figure it out. During the day, you're like, oh, no. What do I have in my house? Do I have do I have something I can just throw in a pot? Do I have something I can make really easy? Well, guess what? Green Chef takes the thinking out. It's already ready for you. It's ready to go. And they have all kinds of food. Y'all know that I have a lot of dietary requirements, but they have vegan food. They have gluten-free food. They have keto. If you're keto, they have everything you could possibly want, which is great. You just have to set it to whatever preference that you would like. So go to greenchef.com slash glasses 130. Why 130? Because you're going to get $130 off plus free shipping. So that's glasses 130. That's our code, greenchef.com. And you get $130 off plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash glasses 130. And use the code glasses 130 for $130 off. Glasses. Hey there, I'm Ellen Weatherford. And I'm Christian Weatherford. And we've got big feelings about animals that we just got to share. On Just the Zoo of Us, your new favorite animal review podcast. 
We're here to critically evaluate how each animal excels and how it doesn't, rating them out of 10 on their effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics. Guest experts give you their takes informed by actual, real-life experiences studying and working with very cool animals like sharks, cheetahs, and sea turtles. It's a field trip to the zoo for your ears. So if you or your kids have ever wondered if a pigeon can count, why sloths move so slow, or how a spider sees the world, find out with us every Wednesday on Just the Zoo of Us in its natural habitat on MaximumFun.org. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. we're talking about unlikable characters. Does a main character need to be likable for you to like the book itself? Should you dump a book if you don't like the main character? And what does being likable mean anyway? Bria, how should we define a character that is unlikable? I think this is really tough um, because what's annoying or quote unquote unlikable to someone could be funny or interesting to somebody else. And I think, but for the sake of this podcast, I think we should keep the definition subjective, like it, you at home decide what your version of unlikable is, um, because so many characters are unlikable, quote, like in their for whatever reason, but that's exactly why they're interesting. And that's what I we just I think we want to be very careful about. And we'll talk about that in a second. But I think we're thinking you think about your unlikable character, you at home, listener at home, sitting on your couch, <laughs> walking down in your car. I don't know where you are. Um <laughs> uh, but I think this is something we need to be careful about in the general sense. But um, for the purposes of this show, we will say, like, you can define your own unlikable character. Yes, I think for, for me personally, it's someone whose personality I don't like and whose decisions that I don't normally agree with. Mm. If that makes, But it has to be those two in combination. Because um, there's definitely, quote unquote, unlikable characters that I fucking love. Yeah. And very widely, quote unquote, likable characters that I fucking hated. Uh, I mean, for sure, there are traits that you can give to someone that can make them more likely to be unlikable, like mean, for example, mm -hmm. like people generally don't like mean people, but you know, you can never know. Look, some of the most beloved characters in American books or film are fucking serial killers. Yeah. Like it's such a, a, a subjective thing. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, we watch Dexter and read, you know, like there are just so many things. I think right now, especially like we are re-looking at horror movies and we're like, I don't know, there's just like a way we're kind of like like re-examining this, this idea, I think, of unlikable. So I think it's very hard to dismiss it as a whole. Yeah, and I think this is, happens to a lot of female characters the most because uh, a female character that is really assertive or is not as accommodating uh, is much more likely to be seen as unlikable than a male character. Sure, and I mean, this is always a problem I find with me as a filmmaker uh, is that people will read my scripts and be like... The main character is not very likable, which is always a woman. And it's always because she's a little mean or she's a little brassy or she doesn't take shit. Uh, but maybe she is straight up mean and kind of like kind of a jerk. And I'm like, but I don't care if she's likable. I think she's interesting. And I'm not here mm -hmm. to like, I'm not trying to write. I'm not, this is not a story in which I think I've said this before on the show. It's not prescriptive. I'm not like, this is how you should behave. I'm like, this is a person we're going to follow for whatever reasons. Yeah. Well, so that leads us perfectly to do you for you as a reader do you think a main character has to be likable for you to like the book no not not for me at all and they don't even need to be interesting 
Because sometimes that's the most interesting thing about them, that they're so normal. Like, I think there's so many things, like, especially if they're so different for me, I can... I can enjoy the story with them. I'm often reading to be engaged with the material. And a lot of times that means the characters are doing things I would never do. Like, for example, go to space. I would never do that. I'd, well, I would, but I can't. Um, or uh, things or they, so things I couldn't do or things I would never do, like maybe do something very dangerous in space, which I definitely would not do. I would be following all of the rules. I would be very scared space to rules. be in space. Oh, how Bria longs for a space I, rule. Listen, <laughs> wow, what a dream. Um... But that's why we're here, right? For the entertainment. So I think them making choices that I'm not stoked about, like cheating or murdering or stealing, like think or or bad bending the space rules. I anything I don't think is cool, that's probably why I'm reading the book. Cause I'm like, I gotta see what happens to this person. Um so I think unlikable is a word I would really like to get rid of. Not not altogether, but I think it's just a tough thing. Uh, because again, like I think it's so subjective. That I think it's like, oh, I don't like a screw. I don't like a book about a, someone who is who steals. Like I just don't like that or something. I mean, mm-hmm. that, not me, but this is someone who might be saying that. And I think that is a specific thing. That's your doghouse, you know. But I don't know if it's necessarily that the character is unlikable because they have this quality. I think that's actually a really good idea. We need to come up with a different term instead of unlikable. Yeah, because I do think the problem is you're right. It gets squished in there with like, and she's a loud woman. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. or her experience is not something I identify with in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, but what about you? Do you need does a character need to be likable for you to enjoy the book? No, no, no way. I think it's I I'm hundred uh, percent in agreement with you. I think a character needs to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um maybe it's just for me because my reading pathway slash doorway is plot. Plot is plot is number one for me. So if you put a character that is unlikable into a compelling plot. I can be there for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really Mm -hmm. think it's important also to see the darker side of people sometimes. You know, I don't think being likable all the time is a good thing. Um, I think a character's likability has nothing to do with how good a book can be. Uh, I found a great quote from Roxane Gay who said that the question of likability even exists in literary conversations is, is odd. It implies we are engaging in a courtship. When characters are unlikable, they don't meet our mutable varying standards. Certainly, we can find kinship in fiction, but literary merit shouldn't be dictated by whether or not we want to be friends or lovers with those about whom we read. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I think that is 100%. a great quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and plus, I'm a sucker for, I, I, I really like a trope that's like a stereotypically unlikable character has a backstory that explains why they're like I that. I like that too. Yeah, I like that as a trope too. Because you never know what people are going through and what made them turn into this unlikable hermit who, uh, you know, spits on you when you walk by. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> uh, well, well, but that being said, if you personally don't like, if you find a character unlikable, should you dump the book? My advice is yes, but I think we're talking about two different things here. Like one, mm-hmm. we're saying, is this like kind of a despicable character who the book is about? Like, then I don't think you can judge. But on the other hand, if it's one that you aren't engaged with, I think it's more about if you don't like the main character, and that means you're not engaged with the book. Because a lot of times I am liking a main character who does things, dangerous things in space, or they're doing... Bending uh, the space rules. Or maybe they're doing something really bad. They're skinning cats or something. And I'm like, but I am interested in where this is going. I gotta see. I mean, 
uh, a great, uh, God, we talked about this book last week, but uh, uh, The Last House on Needless Street. I was literally example. about to exa- bring up this exact <laughs> book because it's such a perfect example wow. because there's not a single character in that entire book that is likable, uh-uh. but they're so interesting. Yeah, no one is likable at the end of the day. I mean, one person kind of is, but um, depending on how you view the book. Uh, but I don't think um, you not liking them doesn't mean that you should put down the book if you are engaged with the story but if you aren't engaged with the story then I think you should put down the book as we would always say right yeah I think I think really the heart of this comes down to what you were saying is we need to come up with a different word for it because obviously you know if you don't if you don't like a main character and the thought of putting up with them for the next 300 pages or 400 pages makes you want to fucking scream dump the book but I think there's a huge difference between a character that you don't like and an unlikable character, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So what's a trait like, and I'm, we're not talking like kitten murdering, but like what's a, like a normal human trait in a main character that will get you to put down a book? What will make some, what, what will make you not like a character? I don't think you can, I mean, listen, I, there, okay. There's some really dark things that maybe would, would count, but I, Bring it on and let me decide. Like, bring it on. Get, make them lie. Make them steal. Make them... Give me uh, those criminals. Yeah, yeah. Make them go in and shoot up a saloon or, like, uh, do things for their own gain. Like, I am interested and I will be the judge. I mean, there's probably, like, you know, if the main character is uh, you're sexually abusing someone, I'm probably not that interested in reading that book. Um, uh but I, there, there, it takes a, it takes a lot for me to be like, okay, I'm done with this character. Like, I just can't in good, I can't follow them anymore. I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. But basically, the biggest crime would be, not being a person that I'm not interested in what they do next. Yeah. Um. Do you have one? Do you have something that'll get you to put down a book? Oh yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. I'll set, I'll set a book on fire if it has this. I don't like boundary crossing. Um. <laughs> you know that movie? What about Bob? Oh yeah. About. It's, I think it's Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfus, but it's about a patient who ends up following his psychiatrist along with the psychiatrist vacation. And he's like constantly annoying them. And the psychiatrist like wants him to get out of the house, but he won't leave. And he like won't get out of their space or he won't take the hint. Like I throw books like that off a fucking cliff <laughs> into the sea. Like it gives me so much anxiety thinking about that kind of character and makes me like, I don't know what it is, but it just makes me feel like I am the person who's getting my boundaries violated. I'm like, I want this person out of my house and they're not, they're, they're in a book. Like I get, it's a kind of, definitely kind of unlikable character I can't stand and I can't deal with it. Like I have Ooh. to get rid of the book. Don't watch or listen to The Shrink Next Door then. Cause that's kind of, it's oh. a very similar plot to What About Bob now that you've mentioned What About, it's, but yeah, I've switched basically. Oh, it makes me so anxious and I can't. Um, but at the same time, if I read, a, if I start reading a book like that, I'm not, I never, like, I'll never be like, oh, I'm putting this book down because it's a piece of fucking garbage. I'm like, this book is not for me personally. I never am like, that book was terrible. This, this is a type of character. Like, I can recognize when a book like that is, clearly they're doing a good job writing it if it's eliciting such an intense response from me. But, oh, I can't stand it. Like, the, the thought of somebody like that, like, you know, bothering me or like knocking on the door and ask like oh can I borrow some sugar and then like coming in and like or coming every day or like oh I, it just makes me so fucking anxious I hate it Which so is much why you live in the woods <laughs> I live in the middle of fucking nowhere 
so you can send your thoughts on unlikable characters to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com before we talk to our dear friend mike chen about his wonderful new book light years from home we're going to take a quick break Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Evite. Life's better together. And if you want your event to feel super special, invite your guests with Evite. Evite is great, y'all. It comes to your mailbox, your email box. It makes things very easy. They have thousands of free invitations, and they're all fully customizable for your occasion. You can choose a design created by the community of professional artists that they have, or you can upload your own unique design. The design templates are easy and fun to use. It's very simple, and there's RSVP tracking included. So you're having an event. You're like, who's going to come? How am I going to do this? I haven't had an event in years. Guess what? Evite makes it super easy. You can link to a registry, a gift list. You can figure out who is coming, and best of all, Evite is free. It's very fun, too. I love creating an invitation to an event. The event can be in person. The event can be online. The event can remind people that you're going to have something coming up soon, like a wedding. I said this before, but I find people are using Evites for everything now, including weddings, because you don't want to get out of the paper and write things down. What? Are we living in 1992? No, it's 2022. Much far, much far farther away from 1992. And guess what? You can just send all that stuff via email. So Evite is helping make my celebrations feel special, and they can help you too. So head on over to evite.com slash glasses to choose from thousands of design options to create and send invitations for free. That's E-V-I-T-E dot com slash glasses. Evite.com slash glasses. Glasses. Somewhere between science and superstition, there is a podcast. Look, your daughter doesn't say she's a demon. She says she's the devil himself. That thing is not my daughter. And I want you to tell me there's a show where the hosts don't just report on French science and spirituality, but take part themselves. Well, there is, and it's Ono, Ross, and Carrie on Maximum Fun. This year, we actually became certified exorcists. So yes, Carrie and I can help your daughter. <laughs> or we can just talk about it on the show. Ono, Ross, and Carrie on MaximumFun.org. So here we are with author and reading glasses favorite, Mike Chen. Mike, thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you for having me again. <laughs> Most important question, what are you reading? So um, right now I'm reading my own books because I have two deadlines by the end of the month. We recording Mike's like, I'm such a good one. author that I just want to read my own books. <laughs> so, so I'm rereading uh, my vampire manuscript and my Star Wars manuscript before I turn them in. Um, wow. But other than that, um, I am reading with my daughter the Bonicula series, which is the, the series about the, the vampire bunny that drains vegetables and like the dog so and the cat. Cool. 
So uh, what I love about these is like, I haven't read them for like, you know, 20, 30 years or actually longer than that. Cause I am 43. So I guess probably like 35 years, but they're so smart and they're so funny. And the voice is so strong. And I wasn't expecting the prose to be like adult quality prose in terms of like vocabulary and sentence structure and stuff. And so I really think like they work as like just really good comfort reads for adults because the point of view is from animals. And so there's like, there's this timelessness to it. And there's also like the X-Files vibe because like Harold is like the scully protagon- uh, pragmatist person <laughs> and Chester is like the Mulder conspiracy person. And, and we're doing the audiobooks. So Victor Garber, it does, he does the narration nice. on them and he does such an excellent job. So I, I recommend pay so much for- money to see that crossover. It's so awesome. <laughs> so I love it money. so much. Like I will listen to it in my car for fun. Uh, that's how much I'm enjoying it. I was going to yeah. say, that's going from you reading it with your daughter. You're just, just reading it yourself. <laughs> I am. Yeah. I started out, so we got the like really fancy 40th edition with like a red velvet cover on wow. it. And so I got that for my daughter and I was reading it to her. I'm like, this is amazing. And so <laughs> we downloaded the, uh, the audio book the next day and I'm like, I'm just driving around listening to Benicula. It's so good. <laughs> amazing. Uh, cool. So we're, we're, you're here to talk about your new book, Light Years From Home, uh, which Bree and I both love so much. You want to tell our listeners a little bit about it? Sure. So Light Years From Home is about a trio of siblings named Cass, Evie, and Jacob. And when they were in college, they went on a family camping trip with their dad. Jacob and their dad disappeared in the woods in this giant flash of light. And several days later, their dad returned and Jacob did not. And their dad begins an obsessive quest looking for UFOs, which he swears abducted them. Um, but then he dies looking for for Jacob. And 15 years later, the sisters are estranged and Evie has taken up the cause and she's now a UFO YouTuber. And Cass is staying at home taking care of their mom with onset dementia. And out of nowhere, Jacob returns, claiming that he's been fighting the intergalactic war this whole time. So Evie is ready to believe because she is the molder of the family. <laughs> Cass is convinced he's been just a slacker. He's been doing drugs, pack, backpacking across Europe. But then the FBI shows up looking for him, and there's clear that something else is in play. So the sisters have to resolve their past to determine if uh, Jacob has really been part of an intergalactic war or if he's just been lying to everyone the, full, the whole time. <clears throat> so it's like 10% space opera, 90% family drama. But the family drama is all propelled by the space opera stuff. So something that Bree and I love about your books, we actually were just talking about this on the show the other day, is that you are able to take these big, gigantic sci-fi ideas and really put them through the lens of something that is so intimate. So how did you take this gigantic space alien story and sort of imagine a family drama in the middle of it? I always feel like um, the way that I approach stuff is I, I love science fiction. So but I always care about like, what is the character actually going through in the middle of that? And that's kind of like the running theme through all my books. So in this case, I feel like aliens can be like a substitute for a a lot of things that break a family apart. Um, The main thing is that there's something really divisive and kind of controversial and unbelievable so that it causes this family to have opposing points of view. And I went with aliens because of my love of space opera and I love the X-Files. So for me, it really fit into what I wanted to do. And I wanted to be different from from my other books. Um, But the things that the family argues about, like who they blame and who's lying and how are they trying to get closer to each other, 
Um, that's just, you can find any divisive topic for that. And I didn't realize it until I was rereading it, getting ready for publicity, actually. But then I was like, oh, wow, the, the pandemic and the last five years have totally influenced this. Like, I didn't even realize it. Like, all the hidden themes in there about, like, communication and divisiveness and what to believe and things like that. It's like, uh, I think you're going to see a lot of that in fiction in the next five years as people come to grips with with what's happened. And this time it's just about aliens instead of a real pandemic. Yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll take the aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Mallory pointed out uh, before we started recording that this is your third pandemic release. Yes. So I imagine the pandemic is having a pretty big effect on your... Uh, <laughs> on your on your on your book career. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird because so I had my debut here and now and then came out in January 2019 and I got to do like cons and book signings and like all the like in-person stuff. And then my career took off, you know, it builds with each release. Um but then I'm just in my house doing a bunch of Zoom stuff. So it's weird feeling like I have a reader base and like I'm known in the the community and then all the places where I would see writer friends and promote books and stuff just did not happen so when if and when it actually happens again it's gonna be really weird because it's like all this has been built up in this room that I'm sitting in right now yeah yeah weird feeling for sure so most important question to me how many episodes (laughs) of the x-files went into light years from home so well i will say this this did not start directly inspired by x-files so my favorite musician is a woman named tanya donnelly and she writes the most amazing lyrics and she's been in a bunch of cult bands over the last 30 years or so and this was initially inspired by a song that she wrote with her band belly it's called red And Red is about a boy named Red who is in just such a bad place in his life that he wishes for aliens to take him away, and then they actually do. And so I wrote a short story based on that, and and, it just went nowhere. Like, I didn't even sub it to magazines or anything. But I like the idea that someone is wishing for something so drastic as an escape. It's not out of fear. It's out of hope. Um, and then the big leap in inspiration was the uh, the Netflix adaptation of Haunting of Hill House. So mm. not not the book, which I do love, but the series, because so, the the series had that like past and present timeline <clears throat> about mm-hmm. how like the haunting fractured the family apart. So when I watched that, I thought I really really want to write something like that, something very like before and after based on uh, just something terrible happening to a family and how they fall apart and they come back together. Um, and in this case, I took that short story and kind of merged it into here. And I was rewatching X-Files at that time. So it, it, it totally just hit the tone of it right there. It's like, oh, it's, in, it's an X-Files story without Mulder and Scully. You know, it's like the thing that Mulder and Scully would go investigate, but we stick with the family the whole time. So nothing specific, but X-Files fans will note that the family goes camping at Lake Kinboat which is named after Lord Kinboat from Jose Chun's From Outer Space. Nice. So cool. Nice, nice. Um, so this episode is all about unlikable characters. Um, as a reader and a writer, how much do you care about whether or not your, your characters are considered likable? I never think they have to be likable. Um, you just have to be able to empathize with them so that they're interesting. Uh, and I'll say as, okay, so I've mentioned that I do occasionally dip into my bad Goodreads <laughs> reviews, which never, please never do that. Never, never do, ever that. do that. No, Mike. Um, 
<laughs> but I have seen, like, um, in a beginning at the end, which was my post-pandemic book, I saw some people complain that the characters weren't likable. But then a lot of the other readers really empathized with their journey because they started off from a flawed position. Um, mm. And I think you'll see that with, with this because the three siblings here, like, they've all got major issues and they have to come together because of it and that's the journey so likable is always good but interesting is far better you want someone who sucks you into their world even if you don't agree with them so i'm gonna plug my next book here because i'm writing anakin skywalker which is so fucking cool (laughs) i know i can't even fucking believe it man (laughs) (laughs) we can we can it's called Star Wars Brotherhood, and it comes out on May 10th. And prequel Anakin is not always likable, but I think he's really complex and interesting, especially after all the Clone Wars stuff. So that's another example of how if you can empathize with where the character comes from and why they make the decisions that they do, even if you don't necessarily agree with them, then it will suck you in as a reader. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about Light Years from Home is that all these characters are coming from such different points of view, but you understand them so much and you it kind of draws you into the drama because you understand why they're all making these decisions, even though you might not necessarily agree with them. Um, so I, we've got to ask, would you want to get abducted by aliens? <laughs> right now? <laughs> yeah. You know what? Next, next year, when I'm back to talk about my vampire book, ask me about vampires because I cannot. I'm fucking so excited wait for this book. To do a vampire. <laughs> I am extremely excited about that. Well, so I just need to finish it. It's gonna be great. I've been excited since I saw you tweeting about it. Um, so, Mike, we have you. It's now your annual visit to Reading Glasses. Um, we've got to check in. You know, we're deep into the pandemic. Has your reader wheelhouse changed at all? Have, have the books that you've been kind of gravitating towards been been different? You know, I know Vampire that- Rabbits. You want to right. add Vampire Rabbits? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I will say, Bonicula, if you think about it, actually totally fits my wheelhouse because it's character-driven with a backdrop of genre, and it's very strong voice so it's still it hits everything that I go for I would say that probably in the last year I would I have stopped reading anything that's a little bit heavier um it's just the same reason why I've stopped watching heavier tv it's like my life is hard enough so (laughs) I don't I don't need those things in my life if it's like super violent or super gory, it has to be kind of more fun rather than just like fearful or gritty. Cause I was just going to say no dark and gritty reboots anymore. <laughs> no, no, no more. That's what like, I, I really love the Cowboy Bebop Netflix version because it was just fun. And mm-hmm. I'm so mad that they canceled it. <laughs> um, the last book I read for fun, because I've just been writing for like the past eight months, um, was called Meet Me in Another Life by Catriona Sylvie. And this was a super wheelhouse book for me. Like, I wish I wrote it. And I told Catriona that like, right when I finished it. So if you like my books, then you will adore that book. Wow, I have never oh. heard of it. It's about, um, it's about a man and a woman who keep dying and getting reborn. And they keep coming back to each other in the same place in oh, different yeah. versions of themselves. And they have to figure out what's going on. Oh, this sounds like a Bria book. I love that. Yeah, it does sound like something I would like. <laughs> it's so yeah. good. Okay. Um, so, Mike, where can people find you online and uh, where can they get your book? 
So the same caveats as the other times I've been on this show. You, Twitter and Instagram is Mike Chen Writer. You have to include Writer. Otherwise, you get a million other Mike Chens, including the college football journalist, the YouTube food guy, the minor league hockey player, <laughs> the, uh, the tech investor guy. They're all out there. Uh, so Mike Chen Writer, and then the website is MikeChenBooks.com, which I really, really need to update. Someday Mike will kill all these other Mikes and absorb their power <laughs> and become the ultimate Mike. That's right. <laughs> I will absorb their souls into mine for become like the mega Mike Chen. Yes. Well, Mike, thank you so much for coming back on, and we look so forward to you coming on for your vampire book. Thank you again for having me and for constantly supporting me. Oh, my God. Always. Now let's answer a recommendation request from one of our listeners. Juno writes in, so here's my deal. I am a nerd. I program video games for a living if this helps you calibrate. I would love to read more romance novels, but I can't find any sufficiently nerdy ones. I'm not really interested in firefighters or princes or vampires or werewolves. I want to see the heroine get with a hot physicist. I want to see them bond while playing D&D or debugging code. Does such a thing even exist or am I doomed to a lifetime of sci-fi with romantic subplots? Bria, what should Juno read? First of all, this is very cute. Super cute. Very cute. Very into this. So I've never actually read this, but it was suggested to me by multiple glassers when we were doing a romance novel. Um, and that's Conventionally Yours by Annabeth Albert. It is an enemies to lovers queer romance about two people going to a comic convention. And in fact, the convention world is apparently rife with romances. There's a, quite a few set in the convention world and not just like the it at a book convention at uh, various conventions and book riot did a list of them and i'm going to link in the show notes because there's quite a few uh that i think would fall into this like nerdy romantic category cute yeah do you have something for uh gina oh yeah i actually this book is on my own personal library holds list right now uh, it's The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. Uh, so it's about a biologist. She's a third-year PhD candidate who, to get her best friend off of her back about dating, she pretends that she's in a relationship with this other professor in her lab who is well-known as being a huge fucking asshole. <laughs> and she's like, okay, you know, this, this she's like, I'll never actually want to date this guy, but I can pretend and my best friend will stop bugging me to date somebody. Um, and she's really surprised when he agrees to pretend to be your boyfriend. Uh, and she's even more surprised when something really bad happens with her career uh, and he ends up helping her out. So suddenly she's got to stop herself from oh. falling for this huge fucking jerk. And to make it extra nerdy, the big thing about this book and the reason I found out about it is because it started out as Kylo Ren slash Rey fan fiction. Um, and you can tell by wow. the cover because if you look at the cover of the book, it looks exactly like Kylo Ren and Rey. So it's that wow. exact same dynamic, but in a science lab. But with, with, oh, with biologists. Amazing. You're, you already read this or you, you're waiting for it? It's, it's on my holds list because I was like, funny. this sounds fucking amazing. I have to read it. It's, it. It was like a debut New York Times bestseller. So apparently it's really, really good. Um, and I think that Juno will uh, really like it. Amazing. Uh, so if you want us to solve your reader problem, give you a recommendation request, test out some book tech, anything you want, you can send it at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, you can buy all kinds of cool shit in our Void merch store for reading glasses. There are shirts. There are totes. There are pillows. 
if you want to reading glasses up your office or your living room or, you know, maybe the <laughs> stuff you bring to, to school, to work every day, we got you covered. We wear our reading glasses shirts all the time just because they're fucking cute, even <laughs> though it doesn't even matter that it's our show. Um, and if you want to do something nice for us for free, hey, do you listen to the show all the time? Do we bring you some joy? Are you like, wow, Mallory and Bria are helping me get through this week? Have we ever recommended a book that you liked? You can give back to us for fucking free by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating, five-star review, um, or, you know, wherever you review podcasts, but iTunes especially. It's really great for us. It really helps us reach more readers. Um, if you are on Apple Podcasts, it's really easy to do. It will literally take you less than a minute. Uh, if you are, maybe you're going to the bathroom and you're looking for something to keep you occupied for exact, exactly 60 seconds, give us a five-star review. We would really appreciate it. It really helps us get more advertisers, helps us pay for our, our pets' food. It really is important. Um, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readingsheetpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading. reading.